Chapter two. Chapter two. Marriage. Oh yeah, marriage. That's a big verse thing. twenty-four. Check it out. Marriage. Marriage. Man, we're good. Yeah, it's super, super fresh. See what what needs to happen with these mics is it needs to go somewhere so I can read my Bible without looking at around this yeah, thing. Yeah, you got to like, I'm like always jumping around the mic. Yeah. Then I'm like talking outside of the mic and no yeah. one can hear me. No, yeah, it's, oh, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, well. You know, I'll just try and talk to the mic just, as much as possible. Just figure it out. So, we have Genesis 2. Dose Genesis 2. For those Spanish listeners. And then when we're halfway through Genesis 2, it will be 1.5. Yes. I figured that out. It's not 2.5 because that would be in just chapter don't worry, I got it. I got it right chapter, this time. That would be almost chapter. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah. All right. I think that's how math works. I don't even know anymore. All right. Genesis All right, chapter everybody. two, the creation um, account. We talked about creation, Adam, Eve, and the Garden uh, of Eden. So uh, Genesis two starts with the account of the completions of the heavens and the earth, and all the hosts that was uh, therein. Uh, after everything is finished, it talks about Jesus uh, on the seventh day, um, rested on the seventh day um, from all the work that he has completed. Uh, the chapter then transitions into the generations of the heavens and the earth. It gives specific details about what took place in chapter one from basically from the beginning up through day six with special attention given to the creation of man and woman and some accounts about the garden itself, its location um, around these four, four different rivers. Um, and then it talks specifically about two trees, the, um, the tree of the, was uh, good for food. That's uh, the knowledge of, wow, man, two trees, man, I am, I'm stumbling it's over okay. these planted it's okay. Slow it down. in the garden, take a breath, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Whew, that was tough. All right. So too tree, many energy drinks. Uh, I've had a couple today. It happens. So, so tree one, tree one, the tree of life, Uno. tree two, not the good one. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. There we go. I think I said it that time. Um, and then God gives Adam and Eve the commandment, basically not commandment, the instructions, though, that they're to, to dress and keep the garden and that they could freely eat from any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if they eat from that tree, they would be condemned to death. Um, so the chapter goes into then a little bit about... You know, how Adam had named all the beasts and stuff in the fowl of the air the previous day and how none of them were going to be basically a wife for him. And so Jesus creates him a wife, a.k.a. Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine Adam just trying to chase these wildlife. Yeah. Like, come here. <laughs> <laughs> or or he's naming them all. He's like, yeah. no. I will. Giraffe. Mm-mm. Nope. Bamboo. Nope. Mm-mm. You know, wombat. That's not the one either, you know. Nope. Uh, yeah, so then it goes into the... You know, Jesus takes a rib from Adam, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We'll call her Eve and um, becomes his wife. And um, marriage is officially a part of the Bible right there. And that's Genesis chapter 2. Chapter 2. Marriage. Oh, yeah, marriage. That's a big Verse thing. 24. Check it out. Marriage. Marriage. So, it's a, it's actually a fun chapter. Um, I, I, I really enjoy early Genesis um, anyway, but I think chapter two is fun because it's almost chapter one retold, mm-hmm. but with a little bit more emphasis on 
the garden and then Adam and Eve. And then, of course, we get into, like you said, marriage at the end. Right. Which is a pretty important part of you know, my life. <laughs> yeah. She she uh, she kind of takes a little bit of my life. My wife does, not yeah. yours, obviously. <laughs> Um, I think so. Starting from the beginning, I think um, so. For for just for clarification, I think um, the so my on chapter chapter two verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. After that, Jesus rested on the seventh day. He didn't rest because he needed to rest. I don't think that obviously is even implied here that he needed to rest. But he rested to show his creation was done. So like I'm going to stop to show that it's done. That's how I look at this. And it, it kind of gives us a pattern, you know, regarding the structure of time. You know, after yeah, you know, our, our entire days are around a seven-day seven week. So I think this is just like a structure of time for us as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that like part of the law anyway down the road? It becomes part of the law, yeah. Yeah, like six days, seventh day rest. The Sabbath day, you, you yeah. like people were stoned to death for like picking up firewood under the law. <laughs> Some people were yelled at for picking up grain in yeah. a field. And eating it. And eating it. That's different, though. But still, it was there. (laughs) (laughs) But still, they were working on the Sabbath. Um, Yeah. And then I I agree that it wasn't like, uh, man, I'm tired. That was a lot of work. I need to prop my feet up. I think it was more or less like uh, he was just satisfied with with what he created. I think that's a good word. Satisfied is a good word. I think think to kind of add to chapter one, um, I... I, uh, I was sharing with John off mic. I had a, a really long um, drive back from Texas for the, the holidays. And so I, I was diving deep into a lot of creation stuff, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of relate, you know, back to, to verse one, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. There's uh, a book by Barwin and Tipler. It's called The Anthropic Cosmological Principle. Yeah. Did you read it? I, I read parts of it. Oof. It's hard. But they go over 16 criteria that are required for life on Earth, for us as humans on Earth. There's 16 of them they go through. And then and these are cos- cosmologists and mathematicians. They're not like Christian people. Mm-hmm. And then give the the odds for the assembling of a single genome, like just one gene. And what what how, how likely it is for that one thing to appear out of, you know, accidental processes of evolution. So I'm going to try and make sense of these numbers because they're really, really large numbers. Um, the likelihood is... So scientific notation, when you raise a number to a power, it means that that's how many zeros there are after it, right? Yeah. So after it's all said and done, it would be 10 raised to the negative 24 million. So that's 24 million zeros on a number. For a genome just to pop. For, for it to happen, to, to go through those 16 things. So that's the, if you, and here's how I try to explain it to my wife, because um, I ran a bunch of numbers, so I'm a numbers guy. If I were to give you a cup, an eight-ounce cup of coffee, here, right, that, that size cup, and I told you to go and scoop water out of the ocean, one cup represents one star, okay? And when all the oceans are empty, do it nine more times. So that much water. Entire Earth, ten times over, eight ounces at a time. That would represent how many stars there are which is 200 quadrillion stars on the planet, okay? Times that number by a million. That's the probability of life happening on Earth through evolution. That's pretty awesome. I mean, you really, really, <laughs> like, I, I was thinking about it uh, yesterday on our way back. 
we were listening to Phil Robertson's book. Yeah. I forget which one it is. I'll, I'll find it. But um, we were listening to it, and it was basically he, he, he always makes fun of, like, the saltwater thought process. It's called, oh, boy, we don't want that. The Theft of America's Soul. And it, okay. it talks about, you know, in the 70s, that's when 60s and 70s evolution started, like, hammering and all these laws started changing to like make the get the hippie movement going and obviously that's when schools started like dwindling off the prayer and started teaching the evolution right and it it got me thinking that you know if if we believe that if somebody believes that you know we came out of this this molecule that came out of salt water they made a fish and then the fish grew legs and arms and could breathe air. And it took all this time and we just kept going. And then they became monkeys. Why do we still have monkeys? And I'm sure there's somebody out there who's like, well, there's a reason we have sure. still have monkeys. But in my dumb redneck, whatever mindset, that would tell me that somewhere there's a monkey who's half human. He's working on it. Yeah. He's like. Losing hair and getting skin. And, that, and that's what their model displays is for for that chain of events to happen. There's 16 that they, they identify. Just 16. There's, there's more than that. But they mm-hmm. say just 16 of them. And the probability of all those things happening is 10 raised to the negative 24 million. Which, you again. You can't, can't even comprehend that number. It was just, it was just to, his his point was so, it's like every time you... It's like a fight back and forth, right? So they're like, oh, Big Bang. And they're like, well, you can't have nothing. Uh, you can't make something out of nothing. Who made the nothing? Yeah. And they, I mean, maybe there's somebody that has their answer. I, I know what my answer is, but somebody has their answer. But you can't make something out of nothing. So you could you could, you could, could do whatever you want with evolution. You could do everything, whatever you want with everything else. But the the main thing is... It came from a creator. Yeah. Ha- you need I mean, to have a creator. Like, we talked, we joked about it the other day, about how, like, for some odd reason, in my head, I don't know if it was, like, a cartoon, maybe, like, a Simpsons thing or something, where, you know, I just look at God, like, in a, look, working on us in, like, a fishbowl, like, in a, a terrarium or something, <laughs> yeah. and he's, like, putting things in, and he's just, like, happy about it. He's, yeah. okay, okay. This looks good. Day. I can yeah, rest. Yeah, seven day, I could rest. And, you know, our... Our mindset of what we think is big is like is such so so like we can we can't comprehend it. No, we can't. One, we can't comprehend it, and then two, if you could, if you could just wrap your mind around Genesis one, and just just leave it there, just leave it at that. And we're going to talk about some other things in chapter three or chapter five that people still cannot wrap their mind around. But if you could wrap your mind around one. Everything else it's, in the book is going to make, yeah. yeah, the Bible, everything else in the Bible is just going to make sense to you because you're not like, you're not trying to make sense of things. And I know sometimes our conversation goes into, you know, more, more thought process of just not reading a verse and going, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But that, that's what makes us human. And that's what, that's what God created us to do is, you know, to search. And we talked about this also before is. You know, our 
our ability to think just makes our faith grow stronger. Yes. I, I, it's, it's weird how like that. And we talked about this in, with chapter one, there's, there's always, there's two, two groups of individuals based on your worldview, creation or evolution and how the same exact evidence because of our thought process makes us see it completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I won't say I feel bad, but I kind of do feel bad for people who can't, I don't see things, I guess, the way I do. Uh, that sounds conceited maybe or something weird. Yeah. But, like, the, the evidence, that the overwhelming, in my opinion, um, for, like, a reasonable faith in the Bible, but they don't see it that way. It's, right. it's, it's knowing what, you know, happens. And, and, it's rough. You know, like, when I, when I drifted from Christianity, it wasn't like... It, I never really thought to myself, like, he couldn't have made this. Things couldn't have happened like this. Like, that never... That didn't really spin the wheel to like make me divert. Yeah. It was like the whole thing in general to me, Christianity, it what muddied the water more for me was how people construed the Bible and how churches, you know, acted and how people in a church or how people who called themselves Christians acted. And then I found out about grace and salvation and that's another thing we we weren't really taught in you know the northern states like when when you hear the gospel like i i got i had the opportunity to go home this weekend or this past two weeks and see and talk to people about god and i was actually in a gut shop and we were talking and church came up and i said you know it's it's weird because <clears throat> most people don't know how they be accepted into heaven like you have to accept jesus you have to do work like it's not like we accept jesus and then in, in my head you still have to work you you got to do something for it and that i think that denotes your faith of god because it's not just words and i think he knows the difference between you saying yeah i believe in him yeah and then the dif- the difference between that and you know i believe in him and i'm going to push hard for everybody else to believe in him um yeah, but we were sitting there, and the guys kind of, like, looked at me. Who were, They both said they were Christian. And I said, you know, like, some people some people up here just never heard the gospel. And the one guy was like, what is that? I'm like, but, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, you know? No. So here I am just trying to get a gun, and, <laughs> and now we're doing this. So it was cool. And I hope I planted that seed for those guys. But yeah. there's just so much... There's so much to it, and and what's what really stinks is the fact that people try to find ways out of it, you know, out of the Bible, out of believing by saying, "Oh, well, this couldn't have happened in six days." Oh, why? Why? Why, why yeah. not? So, I mean, they say that can't happen in six days, but I, um, again, I was going down that crazy rabbit hole of different things, and one of the, I mean, everyone knows who Stephen Hawking is. He's like. I mean, the late Stephen Hawking, who was like the most famous, maybe, scientist of our generation, maybe of all times. He probably will be known as that. Um, In regards to the Big Bang, when they're talking about, so the relative density of the universe and then related to the speed of expansion at the moment of the Big Bang, um, that if the increase or decrease in the expansion had been one part in 100,000 million millionth of a second, so that's like, that's 10 raised to the 43rd power of a second. So like the tiniest little thing, if it had been one, one fraction of that, so 
of one to the 43 or 10 raised to the 43 power faster or slower, the universe couldn't have existed. It's impossible. If it had been any faster than that, in that first little tiny millisecond, mm-hmm. which is way less than a millisecond, then the universe would continue to expand at a rate that life could never have been achieved. If it had been slower, everything would have recollapsed back in on itself. They can believe in that, that that had to happen. I mean, that's the equivalent, to put it in a different perspective. If I were to, So if you look at the entire known universe, it's uh, 20 billion light years across. Okay, put a, put a tape measure, 20 billion light years across. And move it one inch. That's one unit that he's talking about. One inch. That one inch off in that initial first second of the Big Bang, no life would exist. They can believe that. But they can't believe the six-day literal creation that's in the Bible. Yeah. You're like, I, where, where's your faith at? I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's, it, it's either in that or in in the beginning God created. And you know? I, I think I could be off, but like by the faith that we're looking for and that the faith that you need to convey as a listener, you need to convey to your lost friends is when I go to bed, I have faith that tomorrow I'm going to wake up and there'll be sun or something will, you know, daylight will happen. Sure. If you could believe that you could believe this yeah. because it's that easy. It's, that, it's so, so it's so that easy. And it's all it's all written here. It's it's easy to comprehend once you open up, and that's that's the biggest piece of this whole thing. And we're gonna stop right now, and we're gonna. You guys will hear us tomorrow about more of chapter of two. chapter two. I got more. Yeah, we'll do it again. Sweet. <laughs> Bye. See you tomorrow. Bye. See you tomorrow. Hey everybody! Thanks for listening. It is John, Matt, and Nick, and uh, you know our. Big thing and our big takeaway from everything that we're doing right now is to help you find Christ. And without him, we would be nothing and this podcast would be nothing. In Romans 10, 13, uh, Nick, why don't you give it to him? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's all you need to do. You need to profess your love for Jesus Christ, open your heart and let him into your life. Uh, Find a friend, tell them. Pray about it. Do whatever you got to do. But there's a reason that you are listening to this podcast. If you're already saved, go save a friend. Do it today. Do it. Hurry up. Time is of the essence.